0: This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our Top Stories President Joe Biden rejected the idea of a new Cold War with China and said he believed Taiwan faced no, quote, imminent threat of invasion. The remarks came after a three-hour meeting with his Chinese counterpart, Xi Jinping, ahead of the G20 summit in Indonesia. Antony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, will visit Beijing early next year to follow up on the talks. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky visited the liberated city of Kherson and addressed a crowd gathered in the main square. Mr. Zelensky reportedly said that Ukraine was, quote, ready for peace. Earlier, he said that investigators have documented more than 400 war crimes committed by Russian troops around the city. Ukraine has also accused Russia of laying mines around critical infrastructure. Brazil, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and Indonesia, which host more than half the world's rainforests, announced plans to work together to conserve them. The pledge was made in Bali ahead of the G20 summit. Meanwhile, at COP27 in Egypt, G7 countries launched an initiative to ensure vulnerable countries hit by climate disasters. Germany offered €170 million, or $175 million, of the initial €210 million needed for the scheme. Turkey's interior minister said that Kurdish militants based in northern Syria were to blame for a bombing in the heart of Istanbul on Sunday, which killed six people and injured about 80. He said police have arrested someone suspected of planting the bomb and detained another 46 people. Turkey's president had been talking up the threat of terrorism lately. China's regulators cheered investors with a plan to rescue the country's embattled property markets. The People's Bank of China and its partners outlined 16 steps they would take to strengthen the sector, starting with extensions on debt repayments. At one point, shares in Country Garden, a developer, leapt by more than 50%. Many firms enjoyed gains of 30% and more. Amazon will lay off around 10,000 employees in its technology, human resources, and retail divisions, according to the New York Times. The redundancies slated to begin this week represent 3% of the e-commerce giant's workforce and the largest such cut in its history. It follows similar moves by Meta, Twitter, and Lyft as America's big tech industry grapples with the possibility of a looming recession. There was still no certainty about which way America's House of Representatives would fall as glacial counts in several too-close-to-call races continued. The Republicans are six seats short of the 218 they would need for a majority. The Democrats are on 204. The final results may not be known for days. Over the weekend, the Democrats secured control of the Senate with wins in Arizona and Nevada. And fact of the day, 10.4 billion the size at which the global population is expected to peak, sometime between 2080 and 2100. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Jokowi plays statesman at the G20. Its Indonesian host, President Joko Widodo, calls this G20 summit, which begins on Tuesday, the, quote, most difficult yet. Motivated by domestic issues, Jokowi, as he is known, has rarely cared for the global stage. But dialogue is his new mantra. Jokowi tried hard to get Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, and Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, to join him at the luxury hotel in Bali. Instead, both are staying away. But Western leaders may yet boycott a photo shoot if Sergei Lavrov, Russia's foreign minister, insists on joining. Reports on Monday that he is unwell were dismissed by the Kremlin as, quote, fake news. Elsewhere, little progress is expected around issues of global governance. And despite Jakawi's efforts to create a genial atmosphere, the worsening relationship between China and America is the elephant in the ballroom. A meeting between their presidents, Xi Jinping and Joe Biden, on Monday was a dialogue of sorts, but their list of gripes is extensive. The World's 8 Billionth Person On Tuesday, the world reaches a milestone. The global population, according to UN projections, will reach 8 billion. Twelve years have passed since the world passed the 7 billion milestone, and 6 billion was passed 12 years before that. The rate of growth has fallen. This year, the population is forecast to have risen by just 0.8 percent, the slowest rate since the 1950s, and a third of the peak in 1963. Women are choosing to have fewer children, and between now and 2050, the UN thinks, 61 countries will see their populations fall by at least 1%. The global population is like a train. Slam the brakes on and it stops, but only eventually. According to the UN, it will take 15 years to add the next billion people and 21 to reach the billion after that. The world is coming to an inflection point. The moment of growth that has prevailed since the 1950s is being replaced by stability and stasis. Donald Trump runs again. I will very, very, very probably do it again, said Donald Trump this month at a rally in Sioux City, Iowa. On Tuesday, Mr. Trump will make his intention to run for president in 2024 official. At least, very, very, very probably. America's former president may be motivated by more than politics. Returning to the White House could protect him from some of the legal cases that are mounting against him. Originally, he wanted to announce his bid on the eve of the midterms, but Republican leaders talked him down. Given the underwhelming performance of Trump-endorsed candidates, advisors have reportedly encouraged him to delay again. Mr. Trump may see an advantage in entering the field ahead of Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, and Mike Pence, his former vice president. Boosted by the Democrats' better-than-expected results, President Joe Biden wants another run, too. A contest between Mr. Biden and Mr. Trump would be a grudge match almost nobody wants. Benjamin Netanyahu's Path to Power On Tuesday, the 120 politicians elected on November 1st as members of Israel's parliament will meet for the first time in Jerusalem. For now, Benjamin Netanyahu, a former prime minister, is still the leader of the opposition. Mr. Netanyahu has been endorsed by a majority of the Knesset's incoming members. On Sunday, he received a mandate from Israel's president, Isaac Herzog, to form a new government. But his route back to the prime minister's office is not simple. First, he must sign coalition agreements with the assortment of far-right and religious parties who comprise his majority. They have a long list of demands, including legislation that would weaken the Supreme Court and funding for Jewish schools. Hardliners also want to control important ministries including defense, public security, education, and finance. Many Israelis would balk at that. Having fought so hard to win a majority, Mr. Netanyahu may struggle to control it. Walmart Rides the Inflation Roller Coaster On Tuesday, Walmart is due to report its latest quarterly results. The American supermarket giant spooked investors earlier this year with a series of profit warnings as rising fuel and food prices led consumers to cut back spending on other items. That forced Walmart to sell excess stock at a discount, crimping its margins. Markets sensed a bad omen for the wider economy. Since then, the firm has staged a robust recovery. Its share price is back where it was in January, despite the falling stock market. Inflation in America is coming down, easing pressure on customers' wallets, but remains high enough that wealthier shoppers are still turning to Walmart for bargains. The beast of Bentonville is also toughening up with suppliers and pushing back on price rises. A good quarter for Walmart, in other words, does not necessarily mean a good quarter for everyone else. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 Hours GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday Berkshire, Hampshire, and Duroc are all breeds of what animal? Monday. Which painter, a close associate of the writer Lytton Strachey, was portrayed by Emma Thompson in a 1995 biopic? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Jawaharlal Nehru, who was born on this day in 1889. Time is not measured by the passing of years, but by what one does, what one feels, and what one achieves. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio.